1: You know, you can't know how great your God is by staring at yourself or at the world. You can't know how great your God is by looking at your problems. You can't know how great your God is by looking at your failures. You can only know how great your God is when you choose to put your eyes upon Him and to look away from all that distracts you. That's hard to do. Because we believe that if we focus on something, that if we draw it close enough to us, that we'll be able to somehow solve the issue. But the larger it looms before us, the smaller and more obscure our God becomes in our eyes. I remember the story of David and Goliath. The threat was real. The threat was before them. It was large. It was loud. It is a threat that they could not hide from, and it would go away. You know, looking to God is not hiding from your problems. Looking to God is recognizing that there is a life that is bigger. There is a love that is larger. There is a character that is greater then all that confronts you. And David looked to God, and he saw the Goliath as he was. And when you look to God, you will see your problem as they truly are. Nothing before God. Your issues, your problems, the problems of this nation, the problems of this world, are nothing before God. If you want them to be nothing before you, then your focus has to be Him. We talk about how great our God is. And we talk about His faithfulness. And I love to talk about His faithfulness because it's not our faithfulness. It's His. I am held by His faithfulness. I am held by the faithfulness of His love and His faithfulness to His covenant. And He fulfilled that covenant in me. And He is faithful to it. He is faithful. And everything that He says that He desires in my life, everything that He says that He wants to see from my life is manifested through His character because God is Peace, God is patience, God is hope, God is joy. Christian says, I don't have any joy in my life. If you've got God, you've got joy in your life. Christian says, I need hope in my life. If you've got God, if you've got Christ, you've got hope. All of those things reside in Him. They're not apart from Him. They're not things that you can get once you have Him. They are Him. (laughs) They are Him. Today we're going to continue in the second chapter of Romans. And in the second chapter of Romans, Paul is dealing with a problem that really we all deal with. But he is dealing with it on the other side for these people. He's dealing with it from the standpoint of a group of people who have based their righteousness in something other than Christ. And what that problem is, that problem is something we've talked about before. It's duality. It's actually duality. You see Paul in this section of Romans is actually speaking to the Jews. And he has a problem with the contrast between their identity or what they proclaimed themselves to be and their behavior. Do you ever have that problem? There was a broad gap between what they proclaimed themselves to be and the way they behaved. Except that they believed that their righteousness was based in their heredity, was based in their possession of the law, was based in their rituals, and that's what made them righteous. Now we talk a lot about identity here. And the reason we do that is because your behavior will never rise above your beliefs. It just won't. Your behavior will never rise above your belief. So what you believe about yourself is very, very important. It's not important in the sense that it affects what God has done for you. It's important in the sense that it affects how you experience life. How you know and live in and participate in what God has done for you. And isn't that the biggest issue? It's not that we don't have enough knowledge. Everyone in the room has more knowledge than they can live to. We all have the knowledge. It's taking that knowledge and making it life, which only His life can do. And when you understand who you are, when you understand that what is required of you, to feel and to participate and to act and to enjoy the freedom that Christ has given you is based in who you are, then life becomes a little simpler. It's a whole lot more difficult for me to try to become something than to be. And this is what God is asking you to do throughout this word right here for you Christian. Throughout the Word, He is not asking you to become anything. If you're a child of God, you're already there. He is asking you to be, to live it, live it to know it. Knowing who we are is sometimes cloudy for us. And it's important to know the truth of who you are so that you can allow that behavior to flow naturally from who you are. We talked about this verse in Bible study the other night. And I think it's a great verse for stating who we are. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And that verse says, But you, you, that's you people out there and me, that's all of us, but you are a chosen race who chose you. God did. A royal priesthood. Royal in the lineage of God. A dedicated nation. Who dedicated you? He did. God's own purchased. I love that. You're God's own purchased. The God who can see through forever. The God who saw your beginning and sees your eternal existence. The God who sees every and saw every failure, every mistake. The God who knows you better than you know yourself gave everything to purchase you. You are God's own. And that—that is—that that is Him taking ownership of you. I've always been my father's son. But I know there have been times that he wished that he didn't have ownership. <laughs> he owns us. And He is proud to own us. He says you are His own purchased, special people. Special. That means that you're not just... People, here's something that's special, set aside for Him. That you may, now here is what He wants you to understand, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Now, what is He talking about there? Well, listen, when a man and a woman come together, and the baby is born, even prior to the baby's birth. There's a lot of speculation as to what he'll look like, how he'll behave, what kind of personality he'll have, whose eyes, so on and so forth. You know, Nobody will know till he gets here. God knows. And it's based on, what that speculation is based on, it's based on the mom and the dad. It's all derived from the mom and the dad. What God is proclaiming is He's proclaiming that all of who I am will be expressed in this, my special child. My special child will express, manifest my virtue, my character, the marvelous light of my presence. Now listen, that's who you are. That's not who you will be one day. That's not what you're going to be when you get to heaven. Because when you get to heaven, all that's going to happen is you're going to shed the veil of flesh and put on the priestly robe of righteousness. You will expose the truth of who you are when you get to heaven. But that is who you are. Now, do you think the person that I just described or that First Peter describes for you, Is that person bound and unable to have fellowship with God? Is that person defeated and unable to have any intimacy with God? Is that person wearing the chains of sin and cannot get free and will not be free and is totally enslaved to the world and to the enemy? Is that the truth of that person? I don't think so. Is that person a victim? No. Is that person hopeless? No. Is that person a loser? No. What's the truth of that person? Well, I just read it for you. This verse tells you that you've been chosen, that you are no longer of the race of man but a race of God's children. You are God's nation. You are His own. He purchased you for Himself, and He made you to be His special people, that you may be set forth, that is, manifest, display the virtues and the perfections of Him. And that is His character. And the truth of His character is that He is His character. They're inseparable. You are to display His life. Now that's the truth of you. That is the truth of the newborn child of God made to display His life. A new creation. There's no way to undo lineage in the physical and there's no way to undo lineage in the spiritual. You have been born again into Christ. God has created us in the image of Christ and if you are a Christian, you are righteous and holy The issue is for you to walk in the truth of this by faith. Isn't it? Isn't that the issue? That you do not allow the world and the enemy to shape your perceptions about who you are, and you put on the truth and live according to who you are. Remember Ephesians 4.24? It says, And put on the new nature. Whose new nature? Yours. It's your new nature. Christ doesn't have a new nature. You have a new nature. Put on the new nature. It's yours. Put on the new nature. The regenerate self, the Amplified defines it. What does that mean? That means the person you are, the self that you are, is righteous and holy and God is proud for you to wear it and be it. Created in God's image, Godlike in true righteousness and holiness, Now, I didn't say that. Ephesians 4.24 said that. That is who you are. And this is our escape from duality. You know, for us, duality is us walking after the flesh, after what we used to be. That is to live as a man who is driven by a sinful heart. And if we live that way long enough, we begin to believe that it's normal. In fact, we think it, we are inseparable from those issues. We have excused our holding on to sin for so long that we believe it's a part of who we are. And we begin to make comments of, well, that's just the way I am. Well, you know, when my flesh, we start owning it. Now listen, this sounds like semantics, but you know what? If it is your profession, it is your action, and it is, it is a lie. It's not the truth. You need to see that all that is contrary to God, all that is contrary to truth, all that is contrary to righteousness is contrary to you. It's contrary to who you are. Do you know that hopelessness does not become you? It is unbelief. Depression does not become you, it's unbelief. Do you know that self-hatred does not become you? Because you have a new self. And when you look in the mirror and you say, I hate myself, your mind is rolling back to the person you were. It is not who you are in Christ Jesus. When you look in the mirror, you need to say, I am the new regenerate self, and I am loved of God. And I will embrace all that God has made me to be. And I will celebrate the truth of who I am. Because depression and self-hatred and self-effacement and all of the things that we allow ourselves to go into are based in pride. A man that would stand apart from God and His work. Can you embrace who you are? You say you know who you are. You say, well, preacher, you talk about this all the time. I ought to know. Yeah, you ought to know. But do you live it? Because unbelief will rob you of the freedom of all that God has given you through Christ Jesus. I'm talking about it experientially. Christian, we should walk with such liberty and hope and freedom. And I'm not talking about an emotion. I'm talking about truth. We should live in it. God has recreated the Christian in Christ so that they may live a life that is free from duality so that they would not believe that sin is natural, that they are incapable of an intimate relationship with Him, or that they will never be able to be consistent in walking in fellowship with Him. That's just not true. You're in fellowship with Him right now. And listen, I'm not talking about a sin-free life. All of us have been around long enough to know that isn't happening, right? I'm not talking about a sin-free life. I am talking about a life where sin is an unnatural interruption. That's what sin should be for you. It's not my flesh... It's not, well, that's just the way I am. Well, sometimes things just get the best of me. Let me tell you something. Start using the Bible's definition. Start using the truth that God has given you. Start seeing yourself the way God sees you and throw the world's self-definitions out the window. And when you fall, fall forward and get up and say, I stand in the righteousness of Christ because He took all of this to the cross. I'm not going to walk in it. I'm not going to wallow in it. I'm certainly not going to own it. I am going to turn my face from it. That's what repentance means. I'm going to turn my eyes towards Him. And I am going to embrace the truth of how He created me. I will walk in the righteousness of God just as I live in the righteousness of God. Are you going to do that? That's what he's called us to. You say, well, wow, what's this got to do with Romans chapter 2? It's got everything to do with Romans chapter 2. Paul's addressing this with the Jews. You see, the Jew was given the law and the right of circumcision. Now, has anybody ever been able to keep the law except for Christ? Have they? Now, how long did the Jews have the law? A long time, right? Thousands of years they had the law. Well, here's the thing. Do you think it was a surprise to them that some of the brethren were sinning? No. Do you think that the Jews had it in their head that that sin would be eliminated completely by their ownership of the law and by the ritual of circumcision? Do you believe that they actually thought that? No. It became apparent early on. Because the law reveals sin. That's what the law is designed to do. It literally sets the contrast between the character of God and the character of man apart from God. That's what it's designed to reveal. It did it early on. Now, they couldn't keep the law because they were sinners sinners by nature. And the law revealed this, and the law required a sacrifice. Now God sent His Son to be the final sacrifice, to pay the penalty that the law demanded for all men, once and for all. And the law revealed that there was a righteousness that must be had or could be had apart from the law. It's a righteousness given by faith. But understand that God didn't just send His Son to deal with the sin issue. God also resurrected His Son to give the people life. Because up to this point, they had been dead to God. Only alive to themselves. What He needed to give them, because just removing the sin problem didn't remove the problem. It just removed the behavior Their behaviors, their past behaviors, it didn't remove the root. Because man had a sinful heart. So what does he say he's going to do? He says, I'm going to remove that heart and I'm going to give you a new heart. That's what he did through the death, burial, and resurrection. He removed the old heart and gave us new life. That's that resurrection life. Well, circumcision was a symbol of a cutting away of the old, the removal of the old, that he might have the new. It was a symbol. So the Jew believed this. He believed, I can't keep the law, but yet I have the law. I cannot maintain righteousness, but I can maintain the symbol. And so the symbol literally identifies me with Abraham and the heredity of Abraham. And I am saved by virtue of my heredity to Abraham by the right that I went through in circumcision and by my possession of the law. And I'll give sacrifices for my behavior, and that'll get me to heaven. But there was a duality there. Because while they proclaimed that they were literally the favored of God, and they walked with the righteousness of God, their behavior was totally inconsistent with it. Their behavior was just like the Gentiles. And the Gentiles could see it. They knew it. They hadn't corrected it. Why? Because they needed a new heart. The Jew had received both and believed that it was the possession of these that made them righteous, because they knew they couldn't change their behavior. So, they winked at sin as being a part of life, and then they put their trust in the possession of the law and in the right of circumcision. Now, Paul asked them, and we talked about these questions before, he asked a series of questions that he already knew the answers to. So you who who preach against stealing, do you steal? He asks these questions in order that he might expose the truth, expose the duality that the Jew was living in, proclaiming themselves to be righteous, yet living in wickedness. Now, he's not trying to expose so much the wickedness of the Jew as he is exposing the inability of the law and the right of circumcision to change the heart. Do you understand that? This is not about condemning the Jews so much as to tell them this isn't working. Owning the law or having the law, being circumcised, didn't make you righteous. Your heart has not changed. Romans 2.23, Paul says to them, You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? By stealthily infringing upon or carelessly neglecting or breaking it? Paul's not wondering if this is happening. He has been among their ranks. Remember his background? Pharisee of Pharisees. He's lived in the lie. He knows the truth. He is proving their need. Look at 2.24. For as it is written, the name of God is maligned and blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The words to this effect are from your own Scriptures. He's quoting Scripture back to them. He's telling them, this has been going on, this is the truth. The result of proclaiming themselves to be righteous children of God, a holy nation, and telling people they lived in the pleasure of God, with the blessing of God, was that the name of God was being blasphemed among the Gentiles. So the Gentiles weren't walking around saying horrible things about God. They didn't know God. They were saying the way the Jews act must be the character of
0: their God. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to his life in every situation. Rest in his life moment by moment and receive from his life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you.